Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Well, we've been talking a lot about the Pac-12, the survival of the Pac-12, very important, I think, to our region. Stuart Mandel of The Athletic had a great piece today. I referenced it in my own piece, uh, but he, he went kind of knee-deep on the Pac-12 as it pertains to television, and he looked at the Big 12, he looked at the Pac-12, he looked at using losing UCLA and USC, how catastrophic was it? Stuart Mandel, The Athletic, joining us now. Stuart, thanks for uh, thanks for making time. Great piece today. Thanks, John. Give me an idea. Like, what sparked you to kind of look at this? And I know that, you know, you're, you're all about college football, but specifically to drill down on television and ratings, what sparked that? I did something similar last summer after OU in Texas left. It was more of a rushed job, though. Um, that only looked at two seasons, you know, realignment is entirely about television and television value. And so once they lost OU in Texas, I wanted to see how big a discrepancy is. And the answer was, it was huge. I couldn't believe how poorly most of those remaining big 12 teams did. And that was my first signal that, um, that they were going to be in trouble. And that, because at the time, if you remember 24, 48 hours after, there was a lot of thought that they're going to get, you know, the, the ACC or the Pac-12 is going to come in and take some of these teams. And that's when I realized that's never going to happen. So now we're in the same situation with the Pac-12 after USC and UCLA left. So I want to do the same thing but be a little more thorough about it. And it confirmed a lot of what I kind of anecdotally seem to feel about Pac-12 teams, in particular Oregon and Washington, and how well they perform. But, again, I couldn't believe – that, for instance, Oklahoma State, and if this is if you strip out their games against the teams that are leaving, would be seventh among Pac-12 teams in average rating. It tells you that while there's a lot of uh, talk right now about the Big 12 coming in and poaching these teams, the TV data seems to suggest that, that I don't understand why there's this narrative that the Big 12 is in a position to do that. Yeah, and it feels to me like, you know, you look at the remaining – television households even before you start to look at ratings you're only looking at about 10 to 12 million tv households uh you know before the addition of the four schools that are coming in to the big 12 but i was surprised to see stanford so high uh but maybe as you point out in your piece uh you know there's some other reasons stanford's up there oregon stanford washington going one two three as it pertains to viewers uh did the stanford Mm -hmm. did the stanford thing surprise you Stuart? Yeah, I did a little bit, although, and then once I kind of looked back at it, I think we get very caught up in, in the moment and recency bias. It was not that long ago that Stanford was putting out nationally ranked teams, Christian McCaffrey, Bryce Love. People wanted to watch them at that time. They've been pretty dreadful the last few years, but there were some really big Oregon, Stanford, uh, Stanford, Washington games, you know, going back to 2015, which is the first year in this sample. And the other thing is, um, you know, I would hope with that much data that one game doesn't 
one outlier game doesn't, you know, affect it too much. But at the end of the day, Stanford plays Notre Dame at home every other year, and that's part of the Pac-12's TV package. And if you're the Pac-12, I know you can't guarantee that they'll keep playing every other year forever, but that's certainly something I'd be highlighting as you go into these negotiations. You know, you're going to – this is a chance for you to get Notre Dame every other year. Um, oftentimes the last game of the season when Notre Dame has, you know, got a shot at a, at a possible playoff berth. Stuart Mandel of The Athletic is our guest. You looked at Pac-12 after dark, and I think, you know, we all agree as media members we don't love those late kickoffs. Fans will bellyache about them. But you saw some advantages here when it came to ratings. Um, How so? Just in that you're not going up against the Fox game of the day. You're not going up against ABC because those games are kicking off late. Yes, exactly. So, um, and, and, you know, Pac-12 fans, I get it. They don't like those night games. And I certainly wouldn't like being in one of those night games if it's buried on FS1. But the ESPN, main ESPN, 1030 Eastern window does very well. Almost all of those games get a million viewers. There's a fascinating example in there uh, from last season where it was – Arizona State, Oregon State, which are not even two of the bigger draws in the conference, playing in that 1030 window, and got a better rating than a Texas game that was played at noon on ESPN2. Um, but that Texas game went up against a top 10 Ohio State-Michigan State game and a, a Wake Forest-Clemson game where Wake was ranked 10th, whereas by the time you get to 1030 at night Eastern, those are often the only two Power 5 teams still playing. So... Um, that's definitely an advantage the Pac-12 has, but it's not by any means, let's, you know, uh, temper expectations here. Those games do not get anywhere close to what the big noon Fox game gets or what the CBS SEC game gets. But for ESPN, you know, a million to two million viewers is pretty good. Is it enough? Can it, can it get you within a stone's throw of maybe where they would have been? I, I think the projection was that they would have been around 41 million had USC and UCLA stayed, at least that's what Bob Thompson, the former Fox president, told me. He was thinking about 500 million total split 12 ways. It would get you like 41.6. Uh, can they get to the mid 30s? You know, it, it with using ESPN and and possibly expanding. Yeah. So everybody's got projections like that, and it's hard to to really pin down a number. Um, because we don't know what the deal will look like. Um, you know, just just vaguely speaking, I think there's a shot for the Pac-12 to get close to what the ACC makes uh, in that deal they have locked in for a long time. But it's going to depend on a lot of things. And, and one thing I don't think it brought up at all in all these TV discussions is that the Pac-12 network is going away, and they air a lot of football games and a lot of other games, too. And so those games were not part of the last deal that the Pac-12 did. Those are going to be part of, they're now going to be able to sell those games along with, you know, the more marquee games. And I don't know what they're worth necessarily, um, but if you're ESPN and you're looking to put more programming on ESPN Plus uh, or another network, frankly, that has a streaming service, that might be worth uh, a little bit more to you uh, than if you're going to be putting that game at some odd hour on one of your more obscure channels. So, you know, I'll be curious to see um, how they're going to structure this thing, and also what the schools are going to be willing to do, right? I mean, for most of the last decade, a huge, huge talking point has been the late-night games, and there's too many of them, and 
the, the coaches and players hate them. They get back late. And there was a hope that in the next TV deal, they would do fewer of them. Well, it's desperate times now. <laughs> if you want to pay the bills, you may have to do actually as many, if not more, of those. And so it's just going to come down to what are the uh, ADs and the presidents willing to sign off on. At the beginning, after USC and UCLA leave, it felt uh, a lot of gloom and doom, right? Everybody looking at Oregon and Washington mm -hmm. to see what they do. Do you have a sense or maybe a thought on Oregon and Washington? How should they approach this media deal, as in maintain flexibility, but also they are tent poles of this conference right now, and your ratings numbers show it? Yeah, I mean... I don't think the Big Ten is going to come rescue them anytime soon. If they had, they could have done that already. Um, but you're right. Like, Oregon in particular is kind of carrying the conference at this point. And, and you know, there, are, they a threat to, are they a threat to leave imminently? Not necessarily. But I think the Big 12 is going to come to those Colorado, Arizona schools and say, hey, you know, you can't. If you stay here, they're just going to ditch you at some point. You're going to be in trouble. Um, if I were Oregon and Washington um, and they're you know, team players, they can only be team players to a point. So obviously I know everybody wants the conference to work and to stay together, and hopefully they can sign on to that. But even I wouldn't recommend that they sign some sort of long-term grant of rights. Maybe even not sign any grant of rights. That might not be realistic for the Pac-12 this time around because the sport is changing so much. And you don't want to get yourself in a situation like the ACC, ACC schools are in right now. Clemson, Florida State, they desperately want to get out of that thing, and they can't. Um, if in the event the Big Ten decides two years from now that they want to go to 24 teams or you know whatever might be the next big evolution in college football, you want to leave yourself enough of an out to do that. And I feel like they have the leverage to do that. What are the other Pac-10 uh, schools going to say? Well, we're going to kick you out? No, because then – then that conference basically becomes a group of five conference in terms of the money that they would make. Stuart Mandel of The Athletic is our guest. You hit on something there. You are talking about just sort of the, the, the health of college football or the future of college football. There's part of me as a media member that's fascinated by this. I'm interested in it. Obviously, it's, it's crazy stuff that's going on, and it's, it's shape-shifting. But the college football fan in, in me is, is nervous for the sport. Are you? Are you nervous at all about the long-term health of the sport in general? Is there a way that this could end up being great for college football, or do you kind of worry that they're going to kill the Golden Goose? I mean, college football is always going to be extremely popular in places like Tuscaloosa, Columbus, Ann Arbor, the schools that have the biggest fan bases and are going, whatever structure this thing ends up taking, they will be you know, one of the privileged ones. So I worry for the other, you know, 30 to 40 power five fan bases that I think are going to start to feel increasingly alienated. Um, the playoff is going to expand and that's great. And that is going to give more access to maybe some teams uh, that wouldn't otherwise have made it, but there is still a section of the sport for whom, and I'll use my alma mater Northwestern as an example for them, a great season is going to the holiday bowl or going to the outback bowl. Their fans still genuinely get excited about that. And it's just not going to matter soon. The entire focus of the sport is going to be the playoff and the SEC and the Big Ten in particular. And so what happens to those fans? What happens to Purdue fans? Do they still get? Do they still feel as engaged in a sport where they feel like they're second-class citizens? That's the part I worry about.
Yeah, amen to that. Stuart Mandel of The Athletic with us. George Klyovkov, he's the commissioner now in the Pac-12. How will uh, this cycle affect his legacy in your mind? It will single-handedly define it, you know, and, and really that's what happened to Larry Scott, too. At first, he was getting all the praise for the deal that he made, and then as it kind of unraveled over the years, you know, that's going to always be the thing that's mentioned about his time at the Pac-12 is that, you know, his strategy backfired and ultimately led to where we are now. Um, and, you know, it's much earlier in his and George uh, Klyovkov's tenure, but basically this TV deal is going to determine whether or not the conference survives. And it's not just in terms of, um, like, the dollar figure, but like I said, there's a lot of different ways this deal will be structured. Is this conference going to go more toward a streaming future? Um, any number of scenarios, right? And then, of course, most importantly, is it going to be feasible enough to keep the conference together? So um, I don't expect it to get resolved. I know it in this 30-day window. I don't know that it's going to wrap itself up quite that neatly, but certainly within the next few months we're going to have probably an answer to, to all those questions. And so there's a lot of pressure riding on him right now. I thought it was really interesting today. I had the SID at UCLA and an athletic department rep at USC both reach out to me uh, in front of Media Day uh, just to say, hey, if you have any questions, I'll be available. Stu, I think they were kind of reminding me or maybe trying to head off the possibility that it could be combative on Friday. How, how do you think that's going to go as Chip Kelly and Lincoln Riley uh, appear to, to talk about their teams, but everybody wants to ask them about the Big Ten? Yeah, it's going to be really awkward. <laughs> and I'm, it's like an awkwardness that I'm fascinated to see. I feel bad because – Chip Kelly and his players and Lincoln Riley and his players and Caleb Wood did not make the decision to go to the Big Ten. Um, it's unfortunate they're going to have to answer the question. The ADs are there, too, and I really hope that those two ADs do answer questions. Um, and that's, frankly, where a lot of the intrigue is going to be, is the behind-the-scenes figures. Um, I hate to say that because, you know, these events are supposed to get you excited for the season. How are the teams going to do on the field this year? But there's one storyline that's going to be, the overwhelming storyline there Friday. And at the end of the day, it's not the coaches and players who have um, a direct say in that. Access to the playoff is key. The Pac-12 trying to ensure that it does have access. How big would it be to have Utah or Oregon or USC or somebody uh, sniff around the playoff this season? I think make the playoff. Um, you know, Ideally, not USC, right? For their right. future, ideally, Oregon or Utah or somebody else. Um, I thought it was important for the Big 12 last season that um, Baylor, not Oklahoma, but Baylor won the conference, and Cincinnati, who's coming into the conference, made the playoff. Given what they had just gone through, that was uh, a very positive development for them. Because, like I said, there's a lot of short-term memory going on with the Pac-12. They're in a down cycle. There's no question about that. Um, and in this playoff drought, that now goes back to 2016, is the first thing anybody mentions with the Pac-12 now. They, they desperately need to uh, end that drought. And like I said, I mean, it'll be very exciting uh, on the West Coast if USC makes it, if Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley lead them to that. Um, but that it might also reinforce the narrative of how, you know, how much trouble they're going to be in without them. Um, but, yeah, Oregon recruits at a top-10 level. They recruit at a playoff level. I know they have a new coach, and maybe you never know how that first season is going to go. But, you know, if, if nothing else, they want to, you want to know that they can still have that path to play off a national championship contention, even in a 
weakened uh, Pac-12. Finally, the Big 12 fans are all over my timeline. What's your inbox look like? The comment section on that story is, <laughs> and my Twitter, I guess, is full <laughs> of angry Big 12 fans. And I get it. I mean, first they had, first they found out last summer they had all these people telling them how their their teams aren't aren't very valuable, and now they're getting like a second dose of it with some of a story like mine and some of the other ones that are out there. I don't, I don't, I, I first of all, the Big 12 is a better football conference on the field. Um, it just is. Um, and I, and I like watching big 12 football, I have nothing against it, but the data is what the data is. And I think, I think part of why big 12 fans have trouble accepting it is because of what I just said, you know, Oklahoma state is a much, much better program than Colorado's. How can my numbers show that Colorado does better in TV ratings than Oklahoma state? And, you know, at the end of the day, even bad Colorado is still located in a major TV market. Um, has some history, national championship, Heisman winners, and Oklahoma State is in, still in Stillwater, Oklahoma. They've had some great seasons, but they haven't quite broken all the way through. And um, it's just the reality of the situation. I'm not trying to like, you know, dance on anybody's grave. Yeah, I get why people are anxious. Uh, finally, Stuart, uh, some unequal revenue sharing models have been floated out there. I know that the conference. Uh, had long believed that everybody should get a share, equal shares. USC and UCLA were not happy about it at the time when Larry Scott and the ADs and presidents all voted for that. But do you foresee Oregon, Washington, possibly Arizona State, because they're in the Phoenix market, uh, asking for and maybe getting uh, more than an even share? I don't know that Arizona State's in a position to make that demand, but certainly Oregon <laughs> would, and possibly Oregon and Washington together, yes. And they may have to do it. Um, it's not ideal. That's how the Big 12 used to do it. That's how the what was then the Pac-10 used to do it, and it causes it definitely causes resentment and um, just you know a, a power imbalance in the room. But you know the position for the Pac. The opportunity for the other Pac-12 schools to be picky and, and in this situation has gone away. You're fighting for survival here. And if you want to keep the 10 together and that's what it's going to take, you know, if, if not having a grant of rights is what it's going to have to take, you might have to suck it up and do that. You know, the Mountain West does that with Boise State. Um, I know that's much smaller amounts of money we're talking about, but there's a recognition there that without Boise State, the Mountain West is, you know, a, a much worse regarded conference than it is. And also that any of those schools in, the, in that conference, if they have an opportunity to move up, are going to do that. And I don't know if we're there yet or not, but the, the Big 12, the Pac-12 may have to start taking on a very similar model um, because nobody in that room could say with a straight face that if the Big 10 or SEC came calling tomorrow that they wouldn't go. So if that's the reality, then it may make sense to just have a more flexible model going forward. Stuart, great piece today. I will see you at Pac-12 Media Day. Keep doing what you're doing, and thank you for joining us. All right. Thanks, John. There he is from The Athletic. Stuart Mandel does a fantastic job. You can read him, follow him on Twitter. Uh, an uneven or unequal revenue-sharing model is interesting. I want to talk about that next, plus the first major recruit to cite realignment as part of his decision has weighed in today. I'll tell you more about that coming up.
back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I want to just continue with what we were talking about in the last segment with Stuart Mandel in that if you're looking at unequal or uneven revenue sharing and you're the Pac-12 conference, do you are you okay? Let's just put yourself in the position. If you're Oregon or Washington, of course, you're going, hey, uh, we have uh, held the conference together. Let's just assume that the conference cuts a deal with ESPN and you are going to be uh, you know, the 10 remaining members in one place, let's just assume they're not taking on any additional members, although I think there are a couple out there that I would be interested in exploring. But if you are Oregon or Washington, you're going to argue that you add more value than Oregon State, Washington State, and some others, and therefore you should receive more than an equal share. One scenario that I have heard floated involves Oregon and Washington or whoever makes a playoff, let's just say, because those are the last two Pac-12 teams, the only two Pac-12 teams to ever qualify for the college football playoff invitational, if you make the playoff, you don't get an equal share. In fact, you get half or you get three-quarters of that playoff payout. That's an interesting model that I have seen floated that would reward a team like Oregon or Washington or Utah, presumably somebody who could get to the conference uh, championship and then have access to the playoff. If you make the playoff, you don't just have to share that with 11 other conference members, or in this case, nine other conference members. You get 50% of that payout or or some larger share. Another uh, scenario I have seen floated is just that the teams that appear in uh, more primetime games uh, that don't end up on ESPN Plus should get additional revenue. Or... Uh, Oregon or Washington should get a share and a half, and the others have to, you know, take a uh, a smaller subsidy from the uh, revenue generated from the media rights deal. Where do you guys fall on that spectrum? Should the Pac-12 conference be interested in uh, cutting in and wheeling and dealing, so to speak, with the members like Oregon and Washington? I'm going to use them, but I do think I do think that Arizona State in the Phoenix TV market. And I think Utah and I think uh, to some extent Stanford and Cal in the Bay Area could also argue that they bring a larger television footprint. How do we solve that, guys? Yeah, I think it's a good call. Uh, if you're the Pac-12, and as we've talked about, it seems like the Pac-12 has more negotiating tools than the Big 12. But if you want to keep this conference together, you got to keep Oregon and Washington. If they leave for some reason or they want to travel to some other conference, that's when the Pac-12 is going to crumble. So you got to incentivize them to stay. And we talked about this, you know, before the whole, you know, transfer portal. And I joked about Oregon into the transfer portal. Make an offer that Oregon's going to like and want to stay here in the Pac-12 to keep this conference together. So I think those type of incentive things are going to be good for the conference, and it's going to create, uh, you know, hated teams as well. You know, USC was always kind of that hated team by a lot of the Pac-12 conference. If Oregon or Washington is getting more money, it's just going to make those fans that are opponent, opponents of them even more mad and want to just root against those guys. Yeah, I think the equal payout exists for a reason right now. I mean, obviously, like, 
it's not very fair for your Oregon states and your Washington states if uh it, you know if if Oregon and Washington are getting most of the pie. So I think your idea or you know whoever's idea that was that you floated out there of the bonuses, you know, like so you know it's it's an equal share, but if Oregon plays on ESPN or um, you know, ABC, whatever the case may be, then then they get a little bit of a bonus for that. And then also you have performance-based bonuses as well, like making a Final Four um, or if we're talking about football, making a college football playoff. So I, I agree with Steven. I agree with you. I think that's a good call. Yeah, I think that we're in a new era where you start to have to, you know, you're going to have to think creatively. You have to try to keep your restless members happy. On one hand, there's nowhere for Oregon or Washington to go right now. It's not like they're leaving for the Big Ten. It's not like they've been invited to the SEC. They may never get that invitation. So I would be reluctant to just go, hey, you know what, in perpetuity, we're going to give you a larger share of the base revenue. Like I don't think that's going to fly with eight other conference members who are going to go, hey, wait a minute, why are we sticking around to take less? And, in fact, it may have Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah – uh, more interested in talking to the Big 12. So I don't think you have a model where you go, hey, they're just going to get a share and a half or they're going to get 1.3 and everybody else is going to have to share what's left over. So, uh, you know, in res- with respect to that, I think the, the model that works and the model that is just and fair is a model that says, look, if your teams make the NCAA tournament, instead of sharing that revenue equally as we have over time, no, no, you'll get 50%, and then the rest of the conference gets to share the rest of that. Or in the case of the college football playoff or bowl games that have payouts, you will get 50%. Anybody who makes a bowl game will get 50% of the revenue that is uh, generated as a payout to the conference, and the rest of the conference has to split it. Because in that sense, if I'm Oregon or Washington, it feels very fair to me. And let's be real. Oregon has elevated – in this cycle, in this last decade, Oregon has elevated while the conference revenues have suffered. And I don't think it's lost on anybody that it makes sense because you've got Phil Knight and Penny Knight, the ultimate equalizers. They have been, you know, supporting Oregon in a way and funding Oregon in a way that others have not been funded. So Oregon has risen in this era. So if I'm Phil Knight, Penny Knight, and I've, you know, funneled all this money into the University of Oregon Athletic Department, I don't want to see Oregon, if it makes a playoff, have to share that, you know, nine other ways. Like that, it just doesn't feel that that like that's just or equitable, especially in today's world of college football, where everybody is being told invest in football, invest in football. George Klyovkov said it, you know, on his initial tour after he was named conference commissioner. He said, "Hey." We have to make a bigger investment in football. So why should Colorado or Oregon State or Washington State or Arizona get to have an equal share of the college football playoff payout that you know Utah or Washington or Oregon get? It just shouldn't be that way. I'll take your phone calls on the subject. Plus, we'll talk about recruiting. A recruit has weighed in. A big-time recruit picked USC and cited USC's move to the Big Ten as a reason for that decision. We'll talk about that coming up, and I'll take your phone calls. 503-417-7575. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.